Welcome to Digital Health Talks. Each week, we meet with the healthcare leaders making a measurable difference in equity, access, and quality. Hear about what tech is worth investing in and what isn't as we focus on the innovations that deliver. Join me, Megan Antonelli, and my friend, Shahid Shah, for our weekly No BS Deep Dives into what's really making an impact in healthcare. Hi, I'm Janae Sharp. Welcome to Health Impact Live. I'm the founder of the Sharp Index, and today I'm sitting down with Jeff Makauka from the Center for Health, Technology, and Innovation at the American Heart Association. And first, I wanted to thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to learn more about your work and to hear more about the companies and the great people that you've met. So tell me, what does the Center for Health, Technology, and Innovation do? Great. Yeah, I'd love to. The The Center for Health Technology and Innovation, the CHTI as we affectionately refer to it, uh, really stands as the focus point, the tip of the spear, if you will, between the American Heart Association's science and evidence-based uh, research and guidelines and the digital health and health tech marketplace. So we hope to bring those two worlds together to help improve companies to deliver the best care they can, uh, the best outcomes possible, and to make sure that the AHA is both learning and influencing the marketplace and innovation as it happens out in the wild. That's important. I think that's a big need too. So tell me, what inspired the, the Center for Health Technology and Innovation to organize a challenge? I understand this is the sixth challenge? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So what are the goals there? Is that like part of the intersectional goal or, you know? Absolutely. So our health tech competition and challenge takes place within our annual scientific sessions conference. And that is the largest conference focused on cardiovascular research in the world and science. And so uh, in the backdrop of around 15,000 cardiologists, researchers, and other scientific specialists, we bring together the small cohort of innovation companies to present and receive feedback from this audience. And so we think it's unique compared to other sorts of business competitions and technology competitions in that we're bringing in uh, the judges that participate are actually subject matter experts and key opinion leaders in the specific field. And so our hope is not only to provide the opportunity for the companies to interact with these professionals. Now, most of them, if not all of them, do have scientific advisor and scientific boards and, and clinicians that they work with, but it's always nice to get, I think, more feedback and more input, as well as for the experts that attend the conference to get us, and especially the early career folks, to get a sightline and a view into the innovation that's happening out in the marketplace. Some of them, they haven't had the opportunity to sort of get out there and find out what's going on and perhaps could influence their careers if they should decide to join a company, start a company, become involved with the company. So I think we have a unique opportunity to bring these two worlds, multiple worlds together and have them influence each other and play off of each other. So we're very excited. And it's been quite successful so far, I'd say. That's amazing. I really like that too, because a lot of the time when you talk to physicians, when you talk to people who are delivering care, they have specific problems and yeah. then they all come up with these ideas, you know, for the problems they have to be solved, but they aren't always aware of what already exists yeah, or, or what's been developed. And that's how we come up with so many duplicated companies that are kind of doing the same thing. And if you can connect them, especially as part of education, then they're able to figure out what's good and kind of close that feedback loop. Absolutely. So something you said that was interesting about the judging about, it sounds like 
you select people at different stages or with different expertise. Tell me more about that. Like there, I heard that there are key opinion leaders, that there are people who are experts. What's the criteria there? Like, how are you setting this up? Sure. And, and, and I guess before I even get to that, we've been piloting a new format for business pitches. And I've been in the industry for about 13, 14 years now, and I've sat through and even judged on a, a fair share of, of pitches. And I guess I've, I'm a little bit bored with the format. So because our, it's a multi-day event, say it's boring. <laughs> because it's a multi-day event, um, we felt that we have the opportunity to bring these companies in front of multiple audiences. And so on the first day of the event, we focus on the business pitch, sort of the technology and the business model, sort of the go-to-market model, the things that I would say is probably the most standard um, topics that are covered when companies are presenting to either investors or accelerators or maybe a, um, a pitch day after an accelerator program. On the second day, Sunday, in this case, we have the companies talk about their specific science and evidence. And so things that are, are very far over my head, especially in this cardiovascular space, but uh, they're able to spend uh, another seven minutes in this case talking about things that are often just, they have to cover in 30 seconds in one slide. And so it's exciting, I think, both to show um, the validation that the companies have already gained out into the scientific world and bring that back and, and wrap it into their overall narrative and story of why they believe they're going to be successful and why they should receive the awards. So with that having been said, we do try to customize the judging panel to those two um, elements of the pitches. And so on the first day, we had our share of, of, of uh, world-class VCs, uh, folks like Lee Shapiro and Jeff Trost, who is with the Laird All Million Lives Fund, as well as some clinicians and, and what we like to phrase, um, it's not my term, but doctorpreneurs. So uh, folks that have seen both sides of this, they're clinicians who have also st uh, started businesses, had to raise money. And so the companies are able to benefit from their expertise, both in the judging and the comments they made. They were giving away free mentorship, which I find Fascinating as a value add for the competition overall. Then the second pitch we brought in, I would say some of our more hardcore scientific research folks. And so they were asking very pointed questions on where the evidence was coming from. What is some of the scientific foundations behind some of the assumptions that are made in the technologies? Uh, again, things that these uh, CEOs and CMOs were handling in stride, but for me, way over my head. But it was very exciting. And I think it made for um, not only... Uh, great information for other folks in the audience that might be thinking about starting companies or becoming involved in the innovation ecosystem, uh, but for the companies themselves. I like that. It also sounds like an innovative model. Like you saw the need because people can pitch really well, but that doesn't always speak to the quality of their product. Yep. And in something like cardiology and healthcare, you need that validation. You need the scientific rigor. So Pulling that specific piece out, especially at your event, sounds like it would be a great fit. Yeah, you know, and I think too, as we see, I would say five, six years ago, there was a lot of new enthusiasm around digital health innovation or maybe health technology innovation because folks from outside the industry were, were coming in and starting to uh, bring, whether it be development techniques or um, perhaps even business models from other areas within technology towards healthcare. And, and I do think that was a breath of fresh air. But there was a lot of, I think, there was a rough patch there where there's some very hard lessons learned about how are these things integrated into hospital workflows? Will doctors actually use it? When we generate data, does anyone really care at the end of the day? Those sorts of lessons, I think, were hard fought and hard won. 
And I hope at least in, in this format, we're maybe cutting off some of the opportunity for, as you mentioned before, duplicate efforts or maybe missteps from companies by having these different audiences influence each other. Yeah, I like that. Like, will they use it? Utilization is critical. And I think it's a step we sometimes skip. Let's talk about the good news. Yeah, I want to hear about the winners and the finalists. Yeah. Let's talk about all the finalists. What do they do? Like, what does their technology do? You can say yeah. who your favorite is or who won, whichever. <laughs> oh, I don't or pick favorites. I have three kids and they're all loved equally. They are all your favorite. They are. Your favorite. Well, no. We are really pleased. This year, we had a bumper crop, I would say, of applications. And while I'm not officially on the selection committee, I was sitting in on the session and there were some hard decisions that needed to be made. We cast a fairly wide net in terms of stage of company, technology platform, or focus within the healthcare ecosystem. So we had some really interesting players, but I think it, it plays well for us because we're able to maybe give a spotlight or a soapbox to companies that may not even be in front of this, these audiences in other circumstances. So our finalists covered a wide gamut, I would say, of different elements within the cardiovascular and stroke solution sets. So we had some, one, for example, Eindhoven was, is a company that came out of a very touching founder story around the loss of a good friend on the soccer field during a practice due to a sudden cardiac arrest, I believe. And all the sort of bad follow-ons, the, the, the missteps that happened in the real world where this person wasn't able to be resuscitated or wasn't a, didn't survive the particular event. And they've dedicated themselves both on the nonprofit side and now with a for-profit, I would say, data play to reduce it down to just a simple soundbite on a screening that can benefit student athletes. And so with a quick screen, maybe just to flag and catch symptoms that may be overlooked in terms of their everyday life, but may could potentially lead to a, an adverse event later on the field, so to speak, and just a, a database and AI to help detect those things and hopefully keep some people safe. Uh, that otherwise not might not be. And they're fabulous, fabulous play. Um, they're called Antoven. Cardiax. Yeah, we, we have the list. So we can just go down in alphabetical order. Not okay. ordering favorites, right? So Cardiax. No, we're just going, we're right? going alphabetical order. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully someone else ranked it by alphabetical order because I can't do that on the fly. But Cardiax is a fabulous device that amongst other things measures arterial stiffness and can give you a, a, an age, if you will, of your arteries in terms of their stiffness. I'm still waiting on my results, fingers crossed, but uh, I think my preliminary was that I, I should at least be at biological age or chronological age rather, if not better. But again, another interesting technology that allows, I think, clinicians and patients to, to get a sense of where they stand and where their risk factors might be. So they presented well and did a really great job. CardioSense as a non-invasive. Well, is that, what is that? I mean, why is that important? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to test your cardiology knowledge. Okay. Oh, uh, that, that this is going to go badly, but it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I, I, my, my sense is it, it's it's important because follow-on risk factors that are compounded by your vascular age or the stiffness of, uh, I'm sorry, arterial uh, age and arterial stiffness. I think it's both a contributor and also a symptom of high hypertension and other elements that could lead to greater risk factor for um, cardiovascular disease and acute events. So I think having a, the way I understood it from listening to the pitch, as well as I could hear it on stage, which at some points was difficult, the way I understand it is these are all good things for a, both a clinician and a patient to know as they think about lifestyle changes and possible medication and titration, those sorts of things. Right. So moving back into more preventive and proactive. Yes. 
All right. The next one is CardioSense. Right. CardioSense, super slick looking wearable that uh, helps to measure hemodynamics. Something to do with fluids, I think is what that means. I don't know. But uh, but that's uh, the science, folks. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the science element of my or lack there. Yeah humanities orientation for me, but so very helpful, I believe, uh, as I understand it in post heart failure, patient monitoring and treatment. And so again, when we can't prevent these events from happening, there's a whole new world, I think in the rehab and also monitoring post acute event monitoring that's available now, which will help prevent readmissions, secondary or, or follow on conditions from developing. And so a uh, very exciting very cool design. You know, if, if there was a major fancy consumer electronics manufacturer who had a design ethos, I would say this device fits into it and stood up to some very difficult questioning about how the uh, the device worked and how the uh, data was collected and distributed. That's important. I think it's also important, especially after, you know, a cardiac event, you have that anxiety. So I imagine it improves. And, and, and I think this too... You know, I'm sorry. Was that the voice of God? I, no, I was just saying, just knowing like how things are matters. Absolutely. And to that end, you know, the stress on family caregivers and the folks that are supporting patients, having this sort of data and this monitoring is also very helpful. Right. Yeah. Like, so you can know, because usually it's a surprise. Next, we have... Uh, our, our, our next finalist was Paramus, which was a non-invasive monitoring device monitoring different things, but primarily, uh, I believe, focusing on blood pressure and and, the, and that sort of reading. Fascinating. This one also pulled on the heartstrings just a bit because their initial use case is with tiny little babies, NICU and small babies who would not be uh, traditional methods for monitoring wouldn't be efficient and or possible given their form factor, um, given the comfort of the tiny little child. So, but brilliant technology based um, on some um, technology that came out of Stanford University coming to market, um, and we'll be focusing on other segments of the market going forward. But I think what was uh, resonated with the judges, especially, was sort of the form factor and the non-invasive nature of the monitoring. Yeah, that's really important for kids. My nephew had heart surgery when he was born. And oh like, my! And you just—it breaks your heart to watch some of that, but like, so they seem cool. All right, yeah. the next one. RCE Technologies. Tell me about that. Great. Yeah. So very interesting to me, again, as, as more of a lay person, but a, a device, a wearable device it, that could be deployed in an emergency room setting or other settings that can detect whether a heart attack has occurred or not. And so, you know, in my vernacular, I think out, out and about, we throw around the term heart attack and it's often confused with cardiac arrest and those sorts of conditions, but uh, it's actually a little bit difficult in the throes of an emergency to determine if that's the actual cause of the issue. And so they have a wearable device that is applied to a patient's inner wrist that can detect the chemicals that are released during an actual heart attack in a non-invasive and very quick and easy to deploy way and, and reusable as well. And so a new technology in the emergency setting which should lead to quicker diagnosis and then therefore uh, ideally more effective treatment in those settings and in those situations. So uh, very exciting. And from what I gathered from the interaction with the judges, some very interesting and new technology um, that hasn't been seen in the market before. Yeah, I think that's critical. Like being able to get to that quickly, it makes a yeah. giant difference in emergency care. So tell me who are the winners and so, what does um, that mean to be a winner? 
<laughs> right, right. So our overall um, was RCE Technologies, the detection device, the heart attack detection device. As the overall winner, that they'll receive a membership into our Center for Health Technology and Innovation Innovators Network, um, which is a consortium of about 50 companies right now of technology companies focused on sort of that intersection that we discussed earlier of um, science, technology, cardiovascular and stroke health and prevention. Uh, so they'll be able to participate um, in those, in our activities that um, our other members uh, take advantage of. The business pitch uh, winner was uh, Paramus, uh, the little baby monitor uh, um, yeah. device. I, I don't think they'd like me to reduce it that way, but it is what, what sticks in the brain. And they really, for the, the pitch winners, the pitch level winners, it's all about the bragging rights. And so they, in addition to their gorgeous glass style trophy that they received, they get the ability to not only talk about being a finalist in the program, but being recognized as delivering the, the best business pitch. And then our science pitch went to CardioSense. Very exciting for them. Uh, I think what really sealed it for them on that, and if, if I can put on the commentary hat a little bit, was the deep set of research and studies that they had around their technology. They came in, I think, fully armed, expecting some skepticism from the, the judging panel. And if they were well prepared to not only defend, but demonstrate um, how effective their technology is. Oh, I like that. So people who are good at telling their stories, people who are preparing and preparing themselves for criticism. And I think that shows a level of rigor that's important to ask yourself the hard questions, you know, and be learning. So let's talk about the general innovation market there. Like there are diverse challenges in cardiovascular health and you have an innovation challenge, you know, fostering collaboration, innovation, you know, you've talked about like bringing people in earlier and that multidisciplinary approach. I'd love to hear more from you about both what some of the challenges are and what you're doing as a center to overcome them. Sure. And in the challenge, you know, just probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I think similar to other industries and especially regulated industries, there are a scope of, and set of problems that either innovation or entrepreneurs face as they try to bring their ideas to market. And uh, in some senses, I think there are some guidelines and some roadblocks and some and some hurdles to overcome that are very important, you know, keeping people safe and making sure that technologies and devices do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it and all those sorts of important issues. But I think in some ways, there's a lot of common issues that would be relevant or applicable to other industries as well. So, of course, that move from refining an idea into a scalable and viable product that meets market needs and the audiences which it's intending to serve, that's always important. And we're seeing, in my opinion, great strides towards that and kind of, I would say, raising the bar that the companies that I'm at least interacting with seem much more professional, much more buttoned up and ready to get to the prime time, so to speak. You know, the funding ecosystem, the funding environment has gone up and down, especially as we talk about digital health or remote patient monitoring, telehealth. You know, it was, I think they'll be talking for many years about the salad days of early COVID. You know, so many stresses on our society and on our systems, but for companies that had solutions that allowed things to happen remotely really was like the golden time, not only to gain evidence and experience, but once the funding mechanisms kicked in and the venture capitalists and other investors started to deploy capital, it was an amazing time to sort of rake in the benefits 
But as we see, these things are cyclical. And I hear a lot of companies talking about how tight it is now, how difficult it is to raise that next round. I think some of the folks that kind of popped up and or happening during the gold rush are starting to drop away. And I think that the investors are particularly conscious and cautious about how they deploy their capital in this particular environment. One of our hopes in having showcases like this competition and having opportunities for companies like the Innovators Network is that we can sort of do some of the vetting and the validation around the basic tenants of these companies so that it's easier not only for them to achieve funding, but for funders to, to know where to look to find viable and solid investment opportunities that can also both improve outcomes and raise the tide of all healthcare innovation in one swoop. Right. I like that, you know, during COVID, they had some different requirements for FDA approval. Like yes. it was really this broad acceleration that kind of brought with it great opportunities. And now we're transitioning to an unknown. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you, like for entrepreneurs or for innovators, and even maybe for investors, like what advice or insights would you provide? Like what types of solutions do you think have the greatest impact or greatest potential impact? Sure. I mean, it's a great question. It's a broad question. I try to give them broad so they could be specific or broad. Yeah. (laughs) It really, from my perspective, again, as more of a lay person and a business person than a clinician, really, I think we, we still haven't made much progress around the prevention element. You know, uh, lifestyle is, is sort of king or queen in this space in that many of the elements of cardiovascular and stroke can be prevented with a, a more healthy lifestyle early in life and consistently through life. You know, there were some interesting findings that did come out, uh, some and, and some promising findings that came out about medical therapies that may uh, help solve some of the lifestyle or the some of the after effects of lifestyle choices, such as obesity, that came out of this particular conference as well. But I still don't think that we can medicate our ways out of the lifestyle issues that we have that manifest in cardiovascular and stroke issues. So, and we, and you know, behavior change is 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 tough, and we've known that for many years, of course. Um, but I do think we're coming to a crisis point where something needs to change substantially um, because it just feels like we're at a precipice where we're going to have a lot of really difficult challenges, both in terms of capacity within the health system um, and quality of life issues for people. Um, if we're not able to sort of think of a, a, a really um, uh, engaging and interesting way for all of us to be just a little bit better about what we eat, how much we move, how well we sleep how much time we spend in front of screens such as this. Now, that being said, I guess every challenge is also an opportunity. You know, there still is a lot of work to be done on treatments of conditions or acute events. There's still a lot of progress to be made to save lives as people experience these different sorts of issues and health conditions. I think they're making great progress on different treatments and different technologies that can help as we, as some of the finalists diagnose things more quickly when they occur, treat things from afar, which can help bring equity, I think, and other opportunities and access where it hasn't been available before. So there are many exciting things, I think, coming down. You asked me, what's my advice? I think yeah. we're back to basics to a certain extent is know your market. Don't get distracted. Again, time and time again, and this is nothing new, but I think it's it, it bears saying again, 
you'll see an early stage company pick up some attention from either a payer or a health system, and they deviate from their initial um, pathway forward to customize because they think they have a customer locked up only to not have that come together. And they're kind of left waiting at the altar. And some good ideas perhaps have gone to waste because somebody was, you know, a company was trying to be too much to behold into to one potential client. So I think sort of the basics, have a great plan, know your market, stick to your plan, listen to your investors and, and network uh, with smart people as best you can. And, and, and we're here at the AHA, we're, we try to do as much as we can on that third part to the extent that we can. Yeah, that's important. So the, the, the last piece of advice is to be part of the challenge and join the group. Yeah, I love the way you put that. Absolutely. So Jeff, I want to thank you for the challenge and for the work you do, and also for sharing that, like what's happening in innovative innovation in cardiology. You know, it sounds like we're at an interesting point where behavioral and lifestyle choices will be part of it and finding technology that can help with those no nudges or motivation is going to be critical. And I was happy to hear about the Center for Health Technology and Innovation at the American Heart Association and hear more about your work and about that critical juncture of bringing together the innovators and the people who care about caring for everyone. So congratulations. Thank you on a successful challenge and congratulations to our finalists and winners. For more information, you can visit the CHTI website and we will post that. And thank you for being part of the Health Impact Network. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this week's Health Impacts Digital Health Talk. Don't miss another podcast. Subscribe at digitalhealthtalks.com. And to join us at our next face-to-face event, visit healthimpactlive.com.